Hello and welcome to this, the latest Tez podcast coronavirus special. My name is Ed Dorrell, I'm head of content here at Tez, and I'm delighted to uh, welcome onto this international podcast, all the way from Singapore, Andy Hancock, who's Asia Director of Education for the international chain of schools Cognita. Now, some might wonder why I'm speaking to Andy, but others will know the answer is obvious, which is that for the last several weeks, Andy has been dealing with the coronavirus uh, lockdowns and shutdowns and school closures in a way that many um, English and European heads and teachers are only beginning to get their heads around. So I thought it would be really good to have a conversation with Andy about his experiences, what he's been through, and uh, what advice he'd give schools in Europe and England um, about what's, what is happening to them or is about to happen to them. Andy, say hello. Hello, everyone. How are you? Uh, well, I hope they're all okay. I hope we don't have too many ill listeners, too many listeners self-isolating. Andy, um, you were kind enough to arrange for a piece to be sent to me earlier this week, um, uh, offering seven individual bits of advice on how to run essentially virtual schools when forced to shut down by COVID-19. Um, but before we talk our, talk our way through your advice... Um, would you mind telling me a little bit about your work and the group of schools that you oversee? Um, I believe there's 12 schools in your group? Correct. There's 12, there's 12 schools in Asia, correct. And we have 80 schools as a, as a company across uh, 10 countries all, all across the world. So we have schools in Latin America, in Europe, uh, UK and Spain, and we have schools here in Asia. So I'm the uh, education director here in Asia, as you mentioned earlier. And we have schools in Singapore, Vietnam, Thailand, Hong Kong and India, and um, our schools in Hong Kong and Vietnam have been under um, closure and special measures since uh, their Lunar New Year, since January the 20th. So a lot of what I'll share today comes from their reflections and some of the learnings uh, that, that they passed on to myself uh, in when dealing with COVID-19. And how many of those schools are closed or have been shut? So we have three schools in Ho Chi Minh City, and they've been they've been closed since January the twentieth, and uh, we received notice that they'll stay closed until at least April now. Uh, and we have uh, uh, two schools in Hong Kong, although one of the schools is a, a schools group of of um, preschools called Woodland, and there are eight of those. And there's one school called Stanford American in Hong Kong, and they have been um, shuttered up since uh, January the twentieth as well. It's just such an extraordinary situation. And presumably you guys have been really learning on your feet. Yeah, we. so one of the things that actually, you know, when we're preparing for, um, you know, in, inadvertently preparing for this, actually we, we, because we have schools in Hong Kong with the political unrest and the civil protests that were happening um, all the way back in, in August and uh, September, we actually spent quite a bit of time discussing a continuing education plan uh, during a crisis um, well in advance of COVID-19. And so um, we, we spent, we spent a, a heap of time getting feedback from folks that have been in schools mm. that have, have been shuttered uh, for various events, whether they were earthquakes or political unrest and got feedback on a plan. We normalized it with a lot of our heads of school and our managing directors. And then as soon as the policy went live a week after, our schools were, it was announced in some of the countries that our schools would be closed up and we'd have to go to online learning. So the, the timing was, um, the timing was lucky for us, but we were actually planning on what we might do if the civil unrest continues in Hong Kong more than our response to COVID-19. 
Um, presumably, um, your teachers and leaders have sort of varying degrees of interest in ed tech and online learning platforms before um, this all happened. Yeah. So as, as, a, as a company, um, as Cognita as a company, it's, uh, it's re really important for us that folks are sharing all that really great practice. And so there's, you know, if, if, if some of the listeners are on Twitter to go to hashtag Cognita way, this is where all of these teachers are going on and have been sharing all the different types of tools that they've been using well in advance of COVID-19 and then still to this day, the tools that really work well for them. So yeah, the, the schools here in Asia are really blessed with um, a lot of technology and lots of teachers that have a willingness and a desire to use that technology to support the students in the classroom. And um, they've been sharing the practice for, for years now. It's just now the, the focus has been on how do you support online learning at home. So um, just to be clear, there, there are schools um, in your group, specifically in Hong Kong, which are, which teachers haven't met face-to-face -face their pupils for, what, getting on for two months, more than two months? Yes. Yeah, well, if you think, if you include the Christmas break and then all the way up to the first week of January, they would have met for a week or two, and then they have their Lunar New Year, and they haven't met since then. So I think it's January the 20th was the uh, official announcement. And that was the start of the lunar lunar New Year as well. Yeah. So plenty of the teachers wouldn't have met, yeah, two and a half months now. It is, it is honestly just extraordinary, isn't it? Um, how I mean, are you confident, genuinely confident, that learning hasn't suffered, or or would you say you are still making do? Oh, I, I think just the opposite. Uh, you know, in terms of of learning, you know, the learning being. Um, either disjointed or, you know, whether the kids are suffering or that sort of thing. Actually, I, I don't think that's the case. I think everyone would rather be in school with their, with their students. And there's certainly, um, you know, an aspect of that where we, where we wish it to be different. However, what I'm, what I'm seeing from my colleagues across the region time and time again, they are working their tails off uh, to create learning and learning experiences and learning engagements that really um, support the kids and, and, and that the students are really learning. So their stu students are still handing in assignments. They're still getting assessed on, on their work. Teachers are still feeding back to their kids at an age appropriate and context specific way. So in terms of the learning, um, uh, in, in my mind, um, it's better if we're in person, of course, but do I think it's dropped off and, and decreased? I don't, I don't think so, not yet. Um, you know, again, that the longer this goes on, the harder it is, I think, to accommodate for for um, every specific sort of student and, and all of their learning needs. However, in the short term here, in the, in the first two months, I can confidently say that our, our teachers have done a great job and kept the students really up to speed on what's been happening, regardless of the age, even from as young as three and four-year-olds, all the way up to our students that are ready to take uh, exams in the IB diploma or A-levels. Yeah, I mean, it is the subject of some fascination that through um you know extraordinary force of circumstance um the world's education uh system is about to stress test um the limits and successes and failings of edtech um in in a way that could never have been uh, foreseen um and with that in mind um i'm going to jump into i mentioned at the top of the show that you were kind enough to send uh, to send me this piece with it, with these pieces of advice so I'm going to I'm going to jump in um, and, and riffing off what we were just talking about. Um, the very first one um, is uh, um, online learning has its limits. What do you mean by that? 
Sure. You know, specifically when we talk about online learning, um, you know, what I what I was hearing from my colleagues was really keeping in mind the cognitive load of, of tasks, um, because it can be it can be difficult for the students when they remove the context of the classroom and, and have students, you know, do this where they can collaborate with one another and work with one another side by side. Um, you lose that context. And so being aware of the cognitive load is really important. So, you know, when you're thinking, how do I deliver a task online? How do I, uh, um, as a teacher, how do I create the situation where a student is really learning well? You have to craft this experience. You have to really curate it. And it might be a little bit different yeah. than what you do in person. So so I think it's it, it has its limits simply because um, it, in, in terms of the way to do online learning, um, mm-hmm. Is it going to be different mm-hmm. for our, for each of the kids, and it's not going to be necessarily a substitute for the teacher in the classroom with that one to one contact or one to one one to many contact that a teacher would normally have. It's not necessarily a substitute, so it's it's um, it has its limits, but it still works well in situations like this. I mean, we have no other choice, so it's it's all about the, the teachers really curating an experience and an opportunity where students can still learn still work with one another, still think, and still think clearly about uh, what they're learning and have an opportunity to um, uh, test with their knowledge. So I think the teacher's done a really great job with this in, in, in uh, Asia. Do you think, just this is um, a random question, do you think teachers are working harder than they were, or, or what's their workload looking like in this completely new environment? Yeah, it was interesting. So early early days we didn't necessarily get the workload right because what we were hearing from from teachers and what we we're hearing from students because uh, um, they were actually conducting some surveys with the students and the families quite early on and what we we're hearing back from the families and from the students were like you know what these assignments are really great but man oh man you're really asking us to do a lot of work and we're handing things in all the time and so the feedback was actually coming back from our especially from our older students saying there's a lot here. You're really, you're really asking for a lot and, and we're handing in a lot. And so we, we have adjusted that as the, as the time has gone on just to hit that sweet spot where we're still allowing kids to explore, you know, new concepts and do some work and test their knowledge, but we're not overburdening them with, with lots of different tasks that either don't have the same amount of impact yeah. as, as you yeah. in the classroom. So we're balancing that out. Now, I'm not, I'm not going to go through the full list because I'm going to publish um, this list of seven pieces of advice alongside the podcast. But another one that jumps out at me um, is this phrase, instill a routine. Um, can you explore that for me? Yeah, this this is definitely, this is one of the, the big takeaways for, um, you know, any teacher or any school that is going to have to go to online uh, learning. Um, one of the things that schools do really, really well is that they always have structure. And when you have structure in place, it allows people to digest what's going on in their world. You know, so in in this particular case with COVID-19 happening, you know, I've got the structure of school or the structure of work. It allows me to actually have that routine um, and and still digest what's happening on in the outside world. If you remove that uh, routine when you go to online learning, meaning you just sort of as a, as a school, you decide I'm going to dump the materials on at 9 a.m. I'll let the kids navigate their way through it, and you need to submit it by 3 p.m. And there's no real no real support. The yeah. kids fall off the rails. You know, you need to have a routine. And so, what we're finding is that we're actually training our our students and our families with videos and different sorts of things like you know what, first thing in the morning, you got to make sure you have a good breakfast and you still log on at eight o'clock and you get out of your PJs and you wear your regular clothes and you check yeah. in with your teacher. And and while these things might sound mundane or even trite, 
actually teaching kids and, and instilling a routine is, is really powerful for them to learn, but also it actually allows them to digest what's going on around them, you know, because they've got this routine. It still feels like school. It's a little bit different. I still have a teacher in front of me and I've got, uh, you know, music class period two and math period three, and they, that feels normal to them. And then it allows them to sort of um, make sense of what's going on around them. So keep the routine and really instill a, a solid routine. And in some cases, schools are just following their regular schedule. In some ways, it sort of speaks to the human condition, doesn't it? About, I mean, obviously around the world, increasingly um, vast numbers of people are being forced to work from home. In fact, I'm recording this podcast from my kitchen table um, because I'm not in the offices of TES today um, because of COVID-19. Um, so, listeners, forgive the sound quality as a result. You can probably hear the washing machine in the background, in fact. Um, what, I was gonna meant, what I meant by that, though, was that People have talked to me about um, worrying about the well-being of teachers as well. And the routine is important for them too, right? Yeah, we've, yeah, most definitely. What we found with our teachers, so in some, in some cases, the teachers are still able to go to the school. And in other cases, oh, okay. the teachers oh, have, had to, have had to stay home. Uh, and again, it just depends on the country and the response in Asia here. Because in some cases, it's uh, crowd sizes of, of less than 40 are fine over 40 you can't and um, in other cases they just don't allow you and so what we're finding actually is that the teachers uh, in terms of their own social and emotional wellness which is really actually is a is a, is a big push from our, our uh, from Cognita about the social emotional wellness of teachers what we're actually finding is those teachers that are coming to school and have the social network in place are able to uh, are, are finding uh, dealing with the situation much easier than those that are um, stuck at home. And again, this does speak to routine, um, but but more so, it, it just, um, when you get the teachers together socially, if it's appropriate to do so and the country allows you to do so, you can do things for morale because morale will wax and wane Absolutely. You know, during this during this sort of thing. And, and so whether it's yoga or mind breaks or dance competitions <clears throat> or food, you know, if, it, if it's appropriate to do so, these sorts of things are really clever to do and keeps the morale, um, you know, up and going for the teachers. So we found with our teachers in Asia, the ones that were reporting to school and working from school manage the situation and continue to manage the situation uh, in a better way than the teachers that have gone abroad or have stayed at home and worked from home. Yeah, absolutely. And on a similar note, I'm going to pick out one more piece of um, advice and then I'll allow the, uh, the listeners to read the other four. You've written, um, well-being has never been more important. Um, which is, in fact, you've just talked about, so forgive me. Um, let's move on to something else. Communication matters, uh, and look out for your parents. What do you mean by look out for your parents? So, yeah, so so what we found is that um, in a prolonged closure and, and with prolonged online learning, especially with our younger students, you're, you're, the parents can become the de facto teaching assistant. Yeah. And one of the things that you need to really be aware of as a school is that your partnership is your partnership with parents always important, right? Of course, it's always important. But in an online learning environment, when they have become your de facto teacher or your de facto teaching assistant, uh, making sure yes. that you can find ways to support them, and whether that's just linking them to resources or simply involving them in a in a call, um, you know, when you're actually doing a lesson in front of the kids to say, you know, parents, you're welcome to join in, and you can sing the days of the week with our youngest students and we're going to read a story, and, and when we're done reading the story, this is how we want you to support the children. You know, doing those sorts of things reduces the anxiety because your parents at home, they, they really don't know. They're not teachers, not necessarily teachers, 
And, and some of them will, will find it really comforting to have their kids home and they'll feel safer and they'll do a really great job. And others will look to you to say, what the heck am I supposed to do with my child now? You've, you've done a lesson at 9 a.m., but now I've got, it's 9.30. What do I do from 9.30 till 11 and you check, when you check back in again? So giving them the tools to be successful and giving them the support successful and support might be allowing them to be on a call, a group call with the teacher yeah. so that they can ask questions. Yeah. It might be resources that you link on, on websites and it might even be just one-to-one calls with the child and the parent just to check in on them. How you doing? How's it going? How you feeling? And these sorts of things go a long way to assuage the anxiety that parents are going to inevitably feel. Yeah, I can only imagine the stress as a parent and not a teacher. <laughs> um, um, I'm going I'm to close the show in a minute. I would like to put you on the spot, Andy, and ask you. So as I say, in England right now, there are thousands of heads who are very, very worried about what's going to happen. And um, obviously, this is not exactly crept up on them, but it is a bit of a surprise to find themselves in this situation. What one piece of advice would you give them um, if the government phones up next week and says, shut the doors, you're closing up? Right. Well, first and foremost, I suspect that's coming anyway at some point. And I yeah. think I think you're I think the heads really need to start getting their heads around that, actually, and, and start thinking that way. Um, so what's my what's my one piece of advice? Well, um, I would probably say think about a calm and proportionate response because this this too shall pass. Yeah. Uh, and it may be two months. It may be six months. It may be all the way up to the summer. We don't, what we, what we don't know is, is the duration, but what I do know is that we're going to come out of this. And for our heads of school, I think it's incredibly wise that they think when we come out of this, we should be able to put our hands over our hearts and say, we did the best by our students that we could. We did the best by our colleagues that we could. We kept them safe. We kept it a highly functioning community. We looked after one another. We were kind to one another and we did our level best to create learning experiences that actually work in an, in an online environment that help our students grow. And, and I think if our heads of school can stay calm and think about that report, that type of uh, response, um, I think that's probably the single best piece of advice. There's all there's the, and there's plenty of people that are dishing out advice at this point, and they're going to find it um, in spades all over the place. But I would just say a calm and proportionate response and know that this will pass and how you dealt with the situation and how you made people feel during the situation is incredibly important. Andy, I can't think of a better way to finish the uh, finish this coronavirus special podcast. Um, thank you so much for joining me all the way from Singapore, um, and thank you very much for listening. <laughs>